What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an on-Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank basement and talk about what happened on Sunday, even though it's a Tuesday. That's why we still call it on Sunday. But it's a Monday. It's a Monday, not I a I got Tuesday. all my days all mixed up. Cody, Cody. Um, And we are joined by an additional person, probably... A recurring guest. Am I correct? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. We need him. (laughs) (laughs) Who are we, though? We'll get there in a second, though. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. And? Nathan. Nathan. And Nathan (laughs) O'Brien. Nathan O'Brien. This is, uh, we'll talk a little in a little bit about the the power first. But <laughs> yeah, this is kind of his first day. Well, I guess the it second is? day. No, this is he did nothing yesterday. What are you talking about? <laughs> he did stuff yesterday. He was on the stage. He walked up and got prayed over, dude. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll call it first day. Today. Today's his first day. <laughs> first day on the job as our student ministry director. That's so, right. Yeah. He hit the little like. Yeah. Okay. I cut that off early. Is that all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll give you a bigger round of applause once you've done something. Right. <laughs> no pressure. We'll do a little. We'll little, do a little introduction to, of Nathan. I think. Yeah. Are you going to do this? Yeah. Sure. Well, I don't know. I mean, you can, you can do the the more serious introduction if you want to. Well, I'll, I'll we'll ask some questions. But Nathan just moved here from Indiana, as mm-hmm. I announced on Sunday for those who were here and listening and paying attention. Um. <laughs> was just moved last Monday, a week ago, got in your car, drove over here, and now you're here, and now you live in Canby, and you live across the street from the church (laughs) (laughs) in one of our duplexes. Um, Yeah. But we met in, when I was in Chicago, uh, mutual connection through Simeon Trust, Jeremy Meeks and Kevin Walker. And uh, anyway, you were involved in a church for your whole life, but maybe I'll just kick that off to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then Cody will have some follow-up questions sure. afterward. Yeah, we always like to have a little bit of fun, fun. with the person <laughs> the first time, get to know you fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was um, from Northwest Indiana. There's a church that I grew up in, and I was uh, I went there pretty much my entire childhood, and I became college age. I went to a school in Louisville, and that's where I got some— Boys College. Yeah, Boys College, Southern Seminary. Um, or the Southern Baptist there Theological Seminary. With two E's. <laughs> <laughs> the. <laughs> so I was there for five years and then ended up going back to the church I grew up in and served there as an associate pastor, very much ahead of the student ministry for mm-hmm. about six, six and a half years. Let me go back to you. So you did a joint bachelor's and master's degree through Boyce and Southern. Yes. So you only, whereas like obviously an undergraduate degree is four years and yep. then you got to tag on to that another three for an MDiv right. in At theory. Least, yeah. But your but that school did a combination thing that took you five years. Yes. Total. So the process was the idea, like instead of doing a bachelor for so long and then a master's for even longer when you're doing classes that are so similar, mm-hmm. why not just take the harder courses and test out of the easier courses for yep, credit. Yeah. So I was able to do that with many of my classes. It had to be a general degree. Yeah. But it worked, and I was able to do both in five years. That's cool. So did you actually get a bachelor's also, or did you just get the MDiv? I got both. Oh, And cool. it was funny because as I was moving out here, like packing all my stuff, I was like, wait, what is this envelope that I've never opened? 
and it was my bachelor's degree. That's so. awesome. <laughs> what That's so what funny. is your bachelor's degree specifically in? So both are the same. Okay. They're both in um, theolog- uh, biblical and theological studies, mm. BTS degree. Okay. That's cool. So the BAT program at CBU, did they, they didn't offer anything like that? Well, they don't have like a seminary closely tied symbiotic relationship with right. a seminary. They they were trying to do that with Gateway Golden Gate. and yeah, Golden Gate, Gate and Gateway. Yeah, um, and and in one sense that's kind of there, but there's nothing like super streamlined. Like obviously, Boyce and Southern the mm-hmm. Southern Seminary have mm-hmm. going on. But I mean, I got a bunch of classes like written off because I had a undergraduate degree in theology. Yeah. And then because I went to Gateway and yeah, they took a lot of units off, but it it took me longer than a year, an extra year to get that right. master's. Yeah, that sounds know? like an awesome And I didn't course. get an MDiv. I just got a, a, a MTS. But so that's pretty cool that you were able to get both yeah, it was those a, things. It was a big blessing to be able to do it. Um, at the time, I was like, well... I want to go to ministry. Don't know what exactly. For sure. But getting a master's degree would be very helpful. Yeah. So, But it was a lot of work. When when did you make that decision to get into ministry and why? (laughs) Yeah. So um, I was like super afraid of like speaking in front of people my entire childhood. Super shy kid. Didn't really talk to people. Now you're speaking to thousands (laughs) on our podcast. So many thousands. Eights of thousands. (laughs) (laughs) What do we say? Tens of eights. Tens of hundreds. (laughs) <laughs> so you were nervous. Oh, yeah. So I just didn't pastoring. Like I thought about it. I remember thinking about it as a ch- child. Like, yeah, I would never want to preach in front of people. Uh-huh. Like, that's just not what I want to do. But like, as I kind of became a Christian, I was like, I feel the calling of God in my ministry or like to be in ministry. Uh-huh. And I had other people kind of telling me this without me telling them that. Like there are some teachers because I went to a private Christian school in high school we're just like, I could see you being somebody in ministry, like mm. the Bible teacher, or some other teachers, my pastor, my pa- my parents. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was just then where I was like, well, I didn't think I was going to do this, but I feel like this is where I need to be and decided to go to Boyce and Southern. Nice. Very cool. And you were how old when you just right out of high school? When yeah, you right out of high school. So I was 17, 18. So you graduated years, several years ago. I graduated in 2017. Oh, yeah. Same year I graduated then with yeah. my bachelor's, but not my master's. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. So then you've been at this, uh, you've been at your church, your home church in Indiana after you graduated. Yep. You came and then you got hired on there. And so you've been on staff there essentially since 2018, 2017. 2017 as part time, 2018, right in the new year, I was full time. Okay. Sweet. Very cool. Yeah. What other responsibilities? You, I mean, mostly you were doing the student ministry or youth ministry. Yeah, I did a lot of the student ministry stuff. I helped out with the kids' ministries. I did some small groups, as we called them, mm-hmm. and preaching once every so often, five-ish weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, other just like membership courses, membership interviews, baptism interviews. Um, yeah, there's only two of us on staff, so... Yeah. A lot of responsibility fell on both of us. For sure. Was the church Southern Baptist? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, so at least you got a discount on your degree. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Exactly. <laughs> Which is the reason Aaron went to the BAP program pretty much. Right? Got, one I mean, well, it was right down the street. Yeah, that's true. And, and it's a great school. A, absolutely. Uh, better than Boys College. Uh, Debatable. Uh-huh. Debatable. <laughs> well... Anywho, um, (laughs) (laughs) 
That's awesome. I was going to ask you a question on that. Uh, I forgot. Ministry stuff? Something about ministry. I don't know. I lost it. Oh, the Simeon Trust. So mm-hmm. then you ended up getting involved in Simeon Trust, which oh, is yeah. a teaching guys how to do expository preaching um, better than they do uh, and to continue to make progress in that. But you got involved in that because your former lead pastor started getting involved in it. How, like, how did you get involved in Simeon yeah, Trust? Yeah, so he was getting involved with a lot of the Simeon stuff, Simeon Trust stuff, and like going to some workshops, doing some things. And he encouraged me to kind of go, but I was like, eh, I have a master's degree. I don't know if I really <laughs> want to do that. And then um, Kevin. master degree response. <laughs> yeah. I was young and dumb. It's fine. Kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then Kevin, Kevin Walker started becoming more of a part of our church, and he's a big Simeon Trust guy. And he just nagged and nagged. He's like, you, do you think you need to get better? I'm like, yeah, I probably think you should get better. He's like, then what excuse do you have? It's right there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, fine. And then after nagging and to bring it up, and I don't care if he listens to this and hears this, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he's bringing it up. Finally, I just, I had no reason to say no. I knew something that I could grow in because sermon preaching wasn't like my favorite thing at all to do. It was mm. like a chore more than anything else. And so... Yeah, that's what ended up getting me there because somebody pushed me and pushed me until I couldn't say no. <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm so thankful. Not nice. sure. And so what you did is so like Simeon Trust, their basic bread and butter is these international, but primarily national workshops mm-hmm. that they do. So they have instructors and they send them or local instructors in a city and then they'll host a workshop. And at the workshop, they basically teach guys how to preach through a book of the Bible with an emphasis on the genre that that book represents. Um, and, and there's women, women's version of the Simeon trust too. women's, women's, women's versions. <laughs> that's, of what the they, trust. that's what they call it. Right? Yeah. yeah. Women's versions. Um, so my wife's done several, um, but that's their main like bread and butter is doing these workshops, but then they have online courses now where people can take those as well. And then, I did the summer intensive mm-hmm. the last two summers, but you did the more recent thing, which obviously the summer intensive is pretty recent too. But what your involvement was, was you did the part-time full entire Chicago course where you study like 37 books. You learn how to preach 37 books of the Bible or something like that. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Two days a week. For two years, basically. Yep, two days a week from 9 or 10 to 3.30. Right. Um, and there was a lunch break and some breaks in between, but it was morning lectures and kind of teachings. And then in the afternoon, it was all practical, like worksheets and preaching. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was two days a week for 30 weeks of the year. Right. What's, then, what's awesome about the the school and then obviously the summer intensive, too, that I did is building on what they teach you at like a workshop where you sort of get like the the fundamentals of preparing a sermon but at what what you did and what I did but you did a lot more of it is you actually preach sermons and then get feedback mm-hmm. on your sermon but then they also assign you an audience so you mm-hmm. have to think about like, like one of them is you have to preach to a completely non-Christian audience. Mm -hmm. So how would you preach 
Ezekiel 37 to a completely non-Christian audience. And it's funny how you see people uh, struggle massively to not use like Christian verbiage, you know, that, okay, these people clearly wouldn't understand that. So you get stretched in your, uh, I guess, areas that reflexes that you would probably get into more. You you can't lean on those Mm -hmm. things. So anyway, I I think it's a pretty interesting opportunity that you were able to have to do that. Yeah, I'm I'm super blessed by it and it definitely stretched me in so many different ways mm-hmm. and it was just being around these guys all the time who care about the same things of like preaching the Bible, teaching the Bible well and how to learn from those things. I mean just these great guys who have been doing this for so long as your as people that you can just talk to. Sure. Ask questions from. Well, let me let me ask you this. You, uh, we met in July through a mutual connection at Simeon Trust. Mm-hmm. Um, you, what are, what are you like most excited about mm. coming out here to Oregon? Like, what is the thing that you're like, this is, this is why I real why I uprooted and moved all the way out here. Like, what are you most anticipating? Like, does yeah. that question make sense? Yeah. Um, the weather. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Although, the coffee shops, yeah, it has been beautiful <laughs> until today. But I think some of the biggest reasons why I just made this huge decision and I'm excited is because one, I get to do some of the things that I love, like working with students mm-hmm. and teaching, leading, and reading the Bible with them. And like, I love both of those things now a lot because mm-hmm. of just the experience I've had in both my ministry at the previous church I was at and at the Simeon Trust. And then doing those things with um, some people who I barely know, yeah, but exactly. I'm excited to get to know and seem to just really um, trust each other and want each other to be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Well, cool. I mean, I'm obviously yeah. we're excited for you to be here. I'm, our... I'm glad it feels like that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, I mean, we're, we're excited about just like one of the little uh, expressions that you learn in Simeon trust is making progress. Mm-hmm. That's a phrase that they say all, we're just here to make progress. And I think that's sort of just true about all of us. You know, we're excited about seeing people grow in whatever capacity that's in. And even as uh, you're coming on staff, I'm excited to see the growth that God's going to do in you personally, not just the growth that you're going to bring to the table for our church, which I believe you will. Um, but I'm excited for the growth that's going to happen in you personally. Hmm. And But at the same time, you coming on will grow all of us too, because we all have new challenges and new opportunities and things like that. So hmm. I'm excited for the growth that's going to happen in in the staff and I'm encouraged by by that opportunity, and 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 obviously just trusting the Lord that He's gonna do do yes. great things. Um, but yeah, yeah, man, yeah, we're pumped. We're pumped to have you here. Mm-hmm. We've been excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've been waiting for it. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing we usually do with the guests to try to get to know them well, <laughs> uh, and to have a little fun is is to to quiz you a little bit. So we, uh, I have a I have a, a game for you to play. Oh, nice. You're from Indiana. Yeah, <laughs> um, but also very close to Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, so I have a kind of a two-part quiz, a be- or a back and forth quiz to see how well you know your own culture. 
Oof. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Love uh, it. And uh, Rob, what's the prize if he wins the game today? The prize if he wins today is respect. Respect. <laughs> and for uh, the next 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> and all you can eat leftover church muffins. Yeah. yeah we got I'll tons <laughs> But I usually give them to the youth group. So that's true. Oh, Which maybe that's a bad way to start. I mean, he's out. in the youth group. They're like, who ate our muffins? I'm like, that new guy, Nathan. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> Still like... got the crumbs in his beard. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. You ready? This is ready as I'll This ever one's be. Indiana. Okay. Uh, what college in Indiana uh, has some notable alumni? Among them are many astronauts, including Neil Armstrong. Wow. I mean, there's only like two colleges in Indiana. The main ones are Purdue and Blue Indiana University, but I'm guessing Purdue. It is correct. It is Purdue. Wow. Right out of the gate. Killing it. All right. So let's see how well you know Chicago. Uh, also known as the chairman of the board. Who's saying mm -hmm. that Chicago was his kind of town? No clue. <laughs> <laughs> Can I take a guess? Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's, isn't it Carrot Top? <laughs> he was the chairman of the board. <laughs> oh, Who is it? Carrot Top was not a Frank singer. Sinatra. Yeah, he sings songs. He's a comedian. It was Frank Sinatra. <laughs> when, when, when did that it. song come out? Uh, Way no, before no our idea. time. <laughs> no Frank idea. Sinatra. All right. So far, you're more definitely more Indiana. Uh, what <laughs> absolute legend had a nickname that reflected his Indiana origins? The Hick from French Lick. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I've heard the phrase. I have no idea who it refers to. Uh, you might get kicked out of Indiana next time <laughs> you're late. there. Wow. <laughs> it is Boston Celtics legend oh. Larry Bird. Oh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. He's oh, more associated man. with Boston at this point. The Hick from French Lick. I don't know. Because he, he played for University of Indiana, right? Yeah. Well, I don't or know did he? That. No, he He's didn't. He played for a weird school in Indiana. Wasn't he on I don't Pacers? Know. I forget Larry Bird, but yeah, I mean, he's, no, Larry. he's Larry Bird, no. though. He's Larry Legend. No, he was Boston. Uh, okay, so uh, Chicago, obviously known for lots of sports. He lots. Yeah, doubles. Doubles. <laughs> Baseball, yeah. Do you Dumb like bears. it when people do that accent or the, the Bears accent with <laughs> no, the skit? from Saturday Night Live? Yeah, yeah, I mean it's a great skit. So <laughs> okay, legendary skit. Uh, so obviously <laughs> you're uh, you're headed out to Wrigley Field to see the Chicago Bears play. And that's not true. You're going to see the, you're gonna see the Chicago Cubs. Cubs in the this is the 1930s. Okay, all right. Oh. So you have professional football tickets to Wrigley Field in the 1930s. You're going to see the Chicago Bears or possibly. Another NFL team, the Chicago what? Whoa. <laughs> Where are these facts They obviously don't from? exist anymore, this team? They do exist. They are They're just not Chicago anymore. Are they oh, West? man. They are West, yeah. Usually where they go. Yep. Do you want the state? Is that too yeah, easy? Yeah, give no, us I a state. Even. Give us a state. The state is Arizona. The Cardinals? The Cardinals wow. were originally the Chicago Cardinals alongside Dang. the Chicago Bears. That's wild. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, just the sports ones. Are these all sports? Okay. Well, how about this? Wrong audience. <laughs> how about this? Uh, I don't, yeah, this is a, uh, you tell me if you get this one. What Indiana town <laughs> is best known for its obese toddlers and <laughs> rampant 
raccoon I know, I know the answer infestation. Pawnee, Indiana. Pawnee, Indiana. That Pawnee. is correct. <laughs> is, that, is that a real city? No. <laughs> it is not real. <laughs> so I thought and it was a fictional city. neither is Hawkins, Indiana, from what I know. Uh, from Stranger what's Hawkins? Things. Oh, okay. Hawkins, Indiana, not really. Either. Were these two things from Stranger Things? Pawnee, no. Indiana is Parks and Rec. Yes. The oh, TV show okay, okay, Rec. okay. Great show. That's yes. so funny. All right. Well, you're doing pretty good. You know fictional Indiana. Very well. <laughs> Who doesn't? Okay. <laughs> Here's another good one. Uh, within five years, do you have a little, little leeway? What year did the Great Chicago Fires take place? Ooh. Mm. Early 1900s, I think. I'm guessing 1920. I'm guess. Yeah, I was going to say 1920. Rob, you got to guess? I feel like it's 1911. It is. 1871. Oh. Okay. Okay. I, visit, we're I moving see on. the we water tower the all the time yeah. too up in the north Aaron's side of Chicago. Hey, but here you go. The uh, the student ministry's leftover muffins are safe because <laughs> you did not win. <laughs> no. Not, nope. <laughs> you did not win. Uh, but that's okay because you won the lottery basically when you came on staff here. That's this is true. A great, this is a great place to work. <laughs> Dude, warm it up to the boss. <laughs> I didn't even pay him, do they? He's, he's not even getting a raise based on that. <laughs> nice. Funny. So let's move on to the uh, the real heart of the podcast. We're looking at uh, this week's sermon. We were in, finishing up John two. Well, we were beginning John two. Beginning John two. We'll 2? be finishing John two next week. <laughs> we're yes, beginning I, John two. Yes, How I'm am I? John two one through twelve already. One through twelve. John two one through twelve. Uh, and we talked a, a a lot about first. Yeah, we did. And we talked a little bit on Nathan's first day, which yeah. is going great, except for the quiz. And itself. I learned that it was the <laughs> first time he had ever had acai bowls when we met. Yes, up in very cool. Chicago in July. Mm-hmm. That's that was a funny fact. Um, are there any other notable firsts that <laughs> come to mind for us? First car, first job, first movie, first date, first concert. Uh, for any this is this is out for anyone. It's not even my question. I'm just reading it. <laughs> oh, Rob wrote <laughs> this. <laughs> no, I did not write this. this is, yes, I wrote this. <laughs> Rob, what was your first car? Um, my first car was actually an an old F150. Like an it was an it was an 80s. I forget what year. So it was the old boxy. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it went from one line to the next in the in the in the lane. Uh-huh. You know, so it was wide. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun to drive. I drove that for a few months, though. And then a f- I think a family friend was like, I need a truck for work. I'll give you my Saturn sedan that was stick shift. Mm-hmm. And so I had to learn how to do that. And it was actually a better car for me in high school. That's cool. Than the truck was. But that was my first. Yeah, that was my first car. That's cool. What was your first well, job? Here's, I mean, here's my question what? Is with this first thing. <laughs> is do you guys agree that John is using that in in an emphatic way when he says this was the first of his signs mm-hmm. to sort of say like hey he's this is a big statement that he's making here and one of the first things he wants to know about you or wants you to know about him is that he's come to usher in this like great time of celebration and joy and blah, blah, blah. Like, mm. I mean, at, at least that was something that stuck out to me with that. I think so. I think, I think the connection between like, almost like Jesus's inauguration. Yeah. He, he doesn't, John doesn't emphasize the baptism as much as the synoptics do. And it seems like this is, you know, this is more emphasized maybe than that. He mentions it, but he doesn't even talk about the event of the baptism as much last chapter. 
And so it seems like, yeah, he's setting this up as like a first thing. But what's right. interesting about the whole thing is it's also undercover. Like it's not a sign that is publicly witnessed other right. than with these servants or disciples right. or both. You know, so those are the only folks who actually know what's going on. Everyone else is like, oh, they just have really awesome wine that just showed up. Right. So that's another interesting aspect to it. But it, it, I think he is drawing attention to the first um, as being important. Well, like, I guess maybe thinking about it a different way is like a first impression, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I mean, they had their first impression, like at least Nathaniel did and these Andrew and Philip and all that in the last chapter, mm-hmm. in chapter one. But you know, what you first, like, realize about... Like I said, I was joking about the first time we met uh, um, Nathan. When, when you rudely when, insulted Nathan When I'm Sunday. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this guy's like a goober, you know? And, like, the first five minutes first impression was interesting. But as the conversation went on, I appreciated the dialogue and I appreciated the questions that you were bringing up and the authenticity and... Um, just where you were, you know, like you were just sharing about this kind of stuff mm-hmm. or these kinds of things with me. And I was like, oh, man, I, I don't know. I like, I left that first conversation, not necessarily like the initial first impression, but then the, just in the first hour, one at one hour meeting, I enjoyed the first impression, you know? Mm. And I think that the power of first impressions, yeah, we know, you know, just from a human experience that it can have a lasting impact. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's even hard to overcome when you make a bad first impression. Right. But sometimes it's yeah. it's hard to overcome when you make a good first impression. Somebody makes a good first impression, but now they got to follow up on that. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like that's what Jesus is doing here with this. And, and John is sort of doing that with his readers too, making like a first impression of Jesus. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, in this gospel, like you, I think you talked about this maybe on the podcast or maybe in a sermon where John limits the the signs or miracles that, well, he doesn't tell all of them. He right. focuses on seven in particular. Seven of them, yeah. The other gospels tell of many different miracles. And so he seems to highlight these intentionally sh- trying to show how Jesus is the Messiah, the fulfillment, the son yeah. of God, like, which, like we talked about from John 20, he, that's, that's his emphasis. That's his point. And so I think that that we have to keep that in mind as we're reading as we're reading these signs and and trying to understand how to best yeah get the meaning out of them and apply them and things so yeah for yeah. sure yeah I mean like I said I still remember the first sermon I ever preached in this church which was John twenty one mm-hmm. um, I don't remember my sermon but I remember preaching John twenty one. Um, which was kind of interesting. What was be. that's probably a better question for first. My, I remember my first, I would say, real like sermon I preached at the college ministry was in James. Uh huh. And I used a word that is not politically correct uh, for talking about a disabled person that starts with an R. Um, <laughs> I remember you saying that's this. That's how I remember it. And someone had to tell you. I was, I said, so, and it wasn't even like in the context of talking about a person with disabilities. I had, t- I talk, was talking about myself. <laughs> and so that's why I was like, <laughs> that's, you don't forget that. And no. then I got off stage. I'm talking to one of the guys and he's like, man, I you said that. That was really offensive. And I was like, oh, so, yeah, that first sticks with me. <laughs> so, uh, awesome. About making progress. Hopefully <laughs> some has been made. Yeah. Uh, what was your first sermon then, Cody? I mean, from there, yeah, I haven't heard you say that word. No. So. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Definite progress. You know, 
you went from saying it in sermons to not saying it in sermons. Yeah. Like Rock that's that was years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still not cor- politically correct at that time, I don't uh, think. Man, I don't... Yeah, I remember my first sermon was on worship. I don't remember a lot from it. I mean, I, like, I remember some illustrations I used or whatever, yeah. but, but it, you didn't, it probably wasn't you didn't anything use, to like, write home about. It, so. No, I didn't. Yeah, Dang. I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is like memorable though, like the feeling and the... Uh, yeah. The like kind of stress of it, the anxiety, like wanting to do well, up. teaching someone from the word. Uh, yeah, definitely remember that. Yeah. Nathan, you got a, a first sermon. Yeah, I remember preaching at my previous church. I don't know how many years ago, but it was Mark two, I think. It was the passage on the paralytic man being brought down from the roof mm, to, yeah. to Jesus. Yep. Is that I, Mark two? There is one in early Mark. Really? That sounds right. Yeah, Mark is fast. Sounds right. It's I could check somewhere. It, mark one, mark two, mark two, somewhere right there. Let's fact check this guy. Fact yeah. checking. Disinformation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll be happy when you're proven wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, mark two. Starts Whatever. With that story. Oh, mark two right it's there. The, oh, wow. <laughs> mark two. <laughs> and so. It seems so early. Yeah. Whatever. Gets, uh, there's healings in mark one. Anyways. Maybe we should have been going through mark. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron can get it down better. <laughs> But uh, did, I don't remember much from it. Did you say any curse words? No, or I don't think or, so. Gosh, it was like all, I mean, <laughs> over, over like stressing about it. First thing time doing this. And I, I doubt I would ever want to listen to it again. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> you, I bet I'd listen to my first one and be like, dude, what do you do? I know. <laughs> no, for sure. <sighs> We've all made progress by God's grace Amen. beyond that. But this was Jesus's first sign, at least as, as John is recording and talking about it. Um, but, and this is what's puzzling to me is the whole interaction between Mary and Jesus. Yeah. Because Mary knows who Jesus is, obviously. Uh She had a visit from the angel who made it clear who her son would be, but Jesus did not do anything supernatural in his entire life up to this point. Am Mm -hmm. I right in thinking that by verse 11? Isn't that what verse 11 is kind of saying? I mean, Mm -hmm. we just saw in chapter one that Nathaniel, he addresses Nathaniel with knowledge that only... I guess God would have. I guess that's supernatural, but it's not a sign. It's not a miracle per yeah. se. It was it was impactful for for Nathaniel. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so di- I guess uh, we don't know this for sure. But I was curious. Like, do you think Mary? Do you think that Mary was asking him to do a, like you talked about this in your sermon? Like, we can't really know. I guess as we were. Yeah, we, were, we don't know what was going on in her mind. Yeah. What What was she expecting Jesus to do? Was she expecting a miracle or? Um, yeah, we could try and psychoanalyze, but that would be like, we'd be reading into the story really far. Um, that's why I was thinking when I read it initially was like, this is just my firstborn son who is very reliable. Yeah. And like a mom's just like, would go to me. My mom would come to me if she needed help. And I was there like uh, generally speaking, if I was available and there, because she knows she can depend on me to do something for her. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think. I think that's more of what's happening, but, and then it seems, was Mary expecting something supernatural to happen? Because then he responds and his response seems to say, she's thinking of something, you know, supernatural. And he's, and Jesus is saying, my hour has not yet come to reveal who I am necessarily. Right. I don't know. So it, it was puzzling. That whole interaction was pretty puzzling to me, um, which you address in your sermon a little bit, but I don't know if you had any other thoughts on that. I mean, I have speculations. 
But I'm reading into the story. We love your speculations. <laughs> Last week, you speculated a great deal about Nathaniel. Yeah, but I had like cold, like contextual basis for those things. <laughs> for Nathaniel, you don't think yeah, I had textual yeah. no, basis yeah, sure, for them? Sure, sure, sure. Um, I, I, I don't know. I do feel like Mary was a little manipulative in this situation. Yeah, I think she's trying to manipulate the situation in order to get Jesus to actually finally reveal himself. Mm-hmm. That's my, like, man, that's my thought. Um, yeah, because... Because he, like, his response is, what, is this, what does this have to do with me? This is not my hour. It just seems so weirdly off topic from the situation, you know? Uh, like, so you, th- you think she is asking him to perform a miracle versus just saying, I need help with this wine thing? I think that it's certainly the fur or the second one, you know, like on a human level. Hey, I just need okay. to, I need you to meet this need. Yeah. But a part of me wonders is if she is trying to manipulate the situation. Mm-hmm. I I'm just curious if like like she knew who he was. Yeah. I mean, from the very beginning, an angel came to her and this and that. And for her for the next 30 years, she had to live under the shadow of reputation her her reputation basically being you know that i don't know she cheated and is a liar and all of these things you know she's just like waiting for her son to finally like Mm. do something like reveal (laughs) yourself you know yeah like and and in one sense vindicate my reputation yeah and i don't know a part of me again i'm reading fully into the story here but his response just seems so out of left field that it's almost like this has been an ongoing struggle like fight maybe argument between mm-hmm. jesus and his mother where she's just like when's this gonna happen when's this gonna happen you know hey jesus it, it, go listen woman <laughs> it's not my time yet quit pestering me about this you know like it almost feels that way a little bit but again i'm reading into the story nathan's looking at me like you're nuts slightly <laughs> <laughs> huh only slightly yeah. do you have any insights nathan yeah that? what's your take on it not, I mean, not really. I study this passage much. It's John's big on like the kind of double meanings with all of Jesus's words. Yeah. So who knows if he was kind of referencing like, this isn't my time to shine here at this wedding or whatever. Mm. Or and then he's also referencing the miraculous intent behind it, where she might not have been thinking that. I don't know. Yeah, but he does do a lot of like double meaning with a, a lot of the words that Jesus which which good point. which only furthers my point right like if he does something miraculous all of a sudden the the attention is on him and not on this couple mm. it's their hour right like this is their hour their day their celebration their week you know if i do something no one's going to remember this couple nobody's you know what i mean like mm. and in one sense he's trying to protect this couple assumingly a family member or something like that mm. um, john no, <laughs> someone that's, speculates. You think it's John's wedding? There's like a like <laughs> small like church historical like uh, thought that this is the author John's wedding. That's why the, he doesn't say mm. whose wedding it is, which is very strange. He is the bridegroom. There's no reason to, to believe that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, also the end of the chapter I think helps us a little bit, which we'll get to on Sunday. But it, Jesus, of course, the setting has changed now. But John, I think, is reflecting on maybe all this story when he talks about what is in the heart of man and Jesus didn't entrust himself to them yet. So maybe there's a bit of that too. He's not revealing like the signs escalate with the amount to which Jesus is, is manifesting his glory Uh right here. He's, he's doing it, but he's doing it in such a way 
that only a small group of people are witnessing his glory. Hmm. And then as the other signs expand, like to the point where he's feeding 5,000, now thousands are witnessing his, his glory. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that, yeah, there's an unfolding of his ministry. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a part of the, the, what's happening here too. Um, but the, the, a question that came up in our small group, which is not, it makes sense. It's like, was Jesus never intending to do this miracle, but Mary convinced him, you know what I mean? That obviously cannot be true because God, <laughs> uh, Jesus obviously had a planet advance. He knew this was going to happen, but maybe the way in which Mary wanted it, a public miracle wasn't, was and Jesus is saying, I'm not going to do it that way. My hour hasn't come, but I'm, I have a plan to do this miracle, but it will be done in the way in which uh -huh. I had me and the father, like we had already planned on doing it. I don't know. That's kind of the way I've been thinking about it, but I don't understand the question. What was it again? Uh, basically, did Jesus was just chilling at a party and had no intention to do anything miraculous? But then Mary's like, "I need help," and so then Jesus is like, "All right, I guess I'll help you, Mom." <laughs> sure, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, you're you're appealing to like his divinity in this right, moment, right? Exactly. Like, did Jesus providentially? in his divinity, you know, have this whole idea of like, I know I'm going to have this weird interaction with my mom on, on, uh, this outdoor wedding that we're having. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know about all that because the same question, a similar question could be asked of like, when Jesus got in the boat with the disciples, did he know that a storm would come and did he know that he was going to calm the storm? I mean, in his divinity, yes. In, yeah. In but, his humanity. No, like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just uh, it's a complicated thing. Yeah. That is a hard question. And I don't even know if it's like necessarily a helpful question mm. to, to ask. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird one. But C certainly yeah. it's probably not the point of the mm. author is trying to make. Yeah. It's more Did of he, like yeah. a fun one to discuss, but Did definitely not the point that John seems to be pointing toward. Here. Right. Yeah. I mean... Reluctantly, did he perform the sign reluctantly? I don't know if that's necessarily well, that's, yeah. like that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I no, mean, I don't think so. clearly he wanted he wanted whatever he was going to do, he did it intentionally. I think one of the interesting things, and we talked about this, is that he actually really doesn't participate in the miracle at all. And this is something that uh, mm. a lot of people have written about and talked about that when she asked, she comes to Jesus. And then Jesus basically tells the servants to go and do this thing, and he never even touches anything, which is really the wild thing because he claimed, like, Jesus gets all the credit for the miracle and yet didn't do anything, didn't get the jars, didn't pull the water, didn't take it to the master of the feast, <clears throat> didn't serve the water to the master of the feast. Like, he literally didn't touch it, and yet he got, got the credit for it. Um, that there's a sermon point in there mm -hmm. like that'll in, in regard to like evangelism or making disciples, like yeah. we do all of these things and, and yet any spiritual fruit, any miraculous things like a tr transformed life or whatever, we take zero credit for any of these things that Absolutely. happen, yeah. which is just kind of a wild thing. Like we can say, Hey, I did all this stuff, but we have to add the caveat. I didn't do anything mm. like. Right. Jesus did all the the good things that you see happening here. It's just a that's such a mystery to me how that works. And I think we see that obviously in the story. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And yet, sure. and yet, we can't say the like it's it's the whole uh, God's sovereignty, man's responsibility sort of like debate or relationship, right? Mm-hmm. The paradox of that. We can't also say like, oh, let's just it's it's all gonna be God. Well, of course it's all gonna be God, but dude, you got to get up and go do something, you know? Like you got to actually obey. You got to take that step of faith. Um, no, uh, Dave Howard has this phrase, nothing happens until nothing happens. Like if you don't do anything, then you can be confident nothing's going to happen. Um, now you can overemphasize the human effort on mm. that, but you can also totally diminish the human effort too and make it to where nothing happens. And I think this story is just sort of illustrating the relationship mm. between that to some degree. Obviously I wasn't going to bring all that out in a sermon. Yeah. But you did talk about that dynamic of faith and obedience Uh and which comes first. So which does come first, faith or obedience? I mean, it depends, right? Like in saving faith, like you hear the message of the gospel. Yeah. And now I'm putting faith in what I'm hearing and I'm trusting in that message, that good news that's being said to me. And there's you obviously believe and are saved through that, uh, that word that comes to you. Yeah. But there's some things that's like, I don't know how that works, but you know what? This is what Jesus is saying. And so I'm going to walk it out. And then as I'm walking it out, I actually learn through the lived experience of, of what Jesus told me to go do. Mm -hmm. And, and then I find out in the end what it was all about versus like in the beginning. Um, yeah, I could give an illustration of that, at least one that I thought about when I came up here to Canby, I had all these thoughts in my mind of like, this is how, how to have a healthy church, for example, but I had never done it. I actually didn't know what was going to happen, but I know like that, that God builds up his people through his word. I know that God you know, saves people through his word. I know that we should be raising up leaders, you know, like I knew some things. So I'm like, but I don't know how all that's going to work out. So I just came up here and did that. And now I've been here six years and I'm like, Oh, I think I'm kind of just starting to see how that works, you know? But, but I know. And I think Cody, we, we had some conversations about this, about like how to grow a church or how to have a healthy church. Mm -hmm. And you read books from guys from like the nineties and then, and they're talking about like marketing strategies. Yeah, this new is, new 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 guest follow up. Do you have like a mug with your logo on it? Right, the, you know, and they have to fill out a card to get it. Like there, it's yeah, it's all really like practical, uh, strategic uh, advertising and like uh, you know that type of thing. And you can take whole courses on it. And, you know, how to break 200 without right. b- without breaking you. <laughs> like all, you know, it's like all this stuff. And you, yeah, and you do all of it and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, and like, did it work? Well, I don't no, know. No. Like, not really, because that was pretty specific. Like, I guess I could give every new guest a subway pass to get back here next week, but until I move my church to New York, that doesn't help me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, all this, like, you know, so... Right. Uh, but yeah, and then getting back and just being like, well, yeah, what if the word of God was fueling the engine of this church? Right. I wonder if that will work. Yeah, that works in every context. Totally. Right? Yeah. Well, and but that, but that's what I'm saying is what you're how you're saying it right now 
if if someone came to me with those marketing strategies or if someone came to someone else like that sells really well like we get that that makes that makes sense because it's we see it quantifiable in other sectors of society in the business world in the sports world and these kinds of things right like we have categories for those things when someone's like hey what's your strategy for like building a church and making disciples you're like you know what i'm going to i'm going to preach the word and i'm going to call people to commit to membership and discipleship in the church they're going to look at you like you're insane like what? That's not going to work. <laughs> that's not going to work. And then you're like, okay, well, that's what you think. But I, I'm going by faith that this is how Jesus says he'll build his church. Mm-hmm. And and then you do it. And then you're like, see, like it happens, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's how it works. Yeah. But people will look at you like, I don't know if that's how that's going to work, you know? And, and then the miracle, it kind of feels that way of like, Hey, I'm going to, I want you to go draw the water. And then you're like, okay, this is like not, it's not making sense to me how this is going to work. And then it, it all works out in the end. And you're like, oh man, maybe, maybe Jesus can do things outside of the categories that I have right? or that the world has that deems them as successful or as what works or whatever. And I think it really just comes down to our understanding of obedience. Like, do we believe that Jesus's ways are better and that he's actually in control? Um, anyway, those are some yeah. of the things that I was kind of challenged on, on that. Yeah. I, well, I wonder if I was, cause that was one of your main points that, uh, that we sometimes obeying is what grows our faith, mm. uh, before we necessarily, I mean, there's obviously some level of faith. If you even hear an instruction and try to do it, there's like at least some level of faith happening there. Yeah. Right. But uh, but I think it's a good teaching. And I was wondering, like, did, as you were studying, were there other examples that came up of, like, biblical examples of people who obeyed first and came to belief through their obedience? Or maybe even a good question for us is, like, do we have examples of that in our life, like you shared about coming and, and you know, you mm-hmm. being taught these strategies that you saw were biblically accurate and trying to apply them here. Um, but are there things like that in our lives or other places in the Bible where someone obeys first and the belief and the faith is grown out of the obedience? I mean, obviously I think all the disciples, I mean, they didn't know Jesus per se, you know, Mm. they saw him, they knew things about him, but they obeyed him. This is what I was saying. Dietrich Bonhoeffer argues in that Casa discipleship book that, that a lot of the disciples, they had a category for a Messiah. They had a category for a savior, like all that stuff. But their understanding of who that person was and what he come to do was totally not correct. And that's why they scattered in the end. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they followed, they obeyed, they did what he told them to do because early on they anticipated this guy is the Messiah. They sort of obeyed because of who he was. He was king. He was potentially... Uh, you know, Messiah, these kinds of That's things. That's what Nathaniel says at the end of chapter one. You are the king of Israel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what do you do to the king? You obey the king, right? Yeah. Like, and so I think that even, even before you necessarily put your faith and trust in him, like obedience is sort of mandated. And, and anyway, Bonhoeffer sort of argues that. Yeah. But I think this is like, I, I wanted to draw this out in the sermon, but I didn't have time for it there's this age old debate on like the Lordship of Christ, uh, Christ as savior and Christ as Lord. 
And did you think about this too, Nathaniel? You were kind of shaking your head there. I mean, Nathan, not Nathaniel. Well, technically There's so name, many Nathans right Nathaniel. now. I know. Technically, my name is Nathaniel, but is it? Nathan oh, nice. Do you go by my Nate? Parents called me, so that's just what. I Nobody go calls by. you Nate, though. Few people. Do so you like it? You're, it's whatever. You're it's whatever. <laughs> so definitely don't like it's it. It's a no. That's a no. It's whatever is a no. It's whatever is a no. Like I remember like, every single person who's called me Nate in my life. <laughs> <laughs> who list. was the first person? <laughs> <laughs> but your birth it was also, it was no, also the last person. No. Nathaniel is your yes, official. Oh, wow. official okay. full name for right. everybody. Well, it's very biblical. Yeah. yeah. Nathaniel Have you been David O'Brien. Oh my gosh. Have you found yourself to be fairly skeptical? <laughs> right. What did you like do under that fig tree? Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> People don't need to know. <laughs> Lordship and savior. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me save you from this situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's just it's a big thought and I think those two ideas are where a lot of people can kind of fall into temptations of different like thought problems. Where it's like if you focus so about much, Jesus, yeah, yeah, focus on Him being so much on Lord, then you can fall easily into a moralism kind of thing. Mm. We're obeying, and then if you fall onto the side of Jesus as Savior, then you fall into the kind of um, love Jesus loves you no matter what you do, and so you can yeah. continue in your sin. license. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And so understanding both of those things together, you can understand the idea that faith, salvific faith, comes first then obedience, but obedience will then come to strengthen your faith. It's not like a one and or, right. but it's some kind yeah. of meshing of both. Yeah, yeah so in yeah, verse yeah. 11, when it says, and they believed, like they, they saw his, he manifested his glory and they believed. They had already believed in the sense that they're putting some faith in him to, to go with him, like Nathaniel says, but now their belief is strengthened, it's deepened, it's furthered because of their obedience and then mm-hmm. the results of Right, God's showing His glory as a result of their obedience or in connection to it. So, well, yeah, yeah. My, I think my point there was like, if they had not obeyed, if they didn't do what Jesus told them to do, they would have never experienced any of what happened afterward. Like, mm. they wouldn't have been able to participate. Number one, in this great miracle, but they wouldn't have been able to see the abilities that He possesses, and therefore, because He has these abilities, He must be someone special, i.e., God. Mm-hmm. Um. So that obedience led to a greater understanding. And I think yeah. that's sort of the, the force that John is trying to get early on in this gospel. As you guys are going to learn that this Jesus is Savior, i.e. like Savior of your sins, mm-hmm. not just like Savior from Rome and oppression, right. um, but he, he's here to save you from sin. And and as as that Isaiah twenty five reference swallowed up death and victory. I mean, this is these are bigger concepts than just like, hey, they're here to kick Rome out. You know, um, before you learn that whole savior concept, and before we start getting there, you need to first start here. Like, this is yeah. he's Lord, and he is King, and you must obey him. And that I think that's why I wanted to draw out my sermon. I I just think there's a lot of Christians today who are more on the side of Jesus as Savior. I would agree. And and miss the idea that he is actually Lord and we're called to obey him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that one of the great commission commands, right, is go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then we forget the next line, teaching them to obey all that I command. I 
I just think that we hold on to that first mm-hmm. one, yeah. make disciples, baptize them, yay, you're saved. And then we just like totally forget about teaching obedience yeah. um, because it's, it's a, through obedience to his word that we actually experience, as I said in my sermon, blessing and renewal and transformation. Like yeah. we, yeah, we're saved, but like, how do you become sanctified? It happens through obeying like his word. Yeah. And I think that they had a category for that. Going back to Cody's question about biblical examples, there's many of them, you know, people taking, stepping out in faith and obedience, rather, obeying <laughs> God when it didn't make sense. I think of Gideon, of course. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abraham. Abednego. Yeah. Abraham. Yeah. Like, I mean, even as little as like the other, uh, another discipleship story of like, hey, throw your nets out the other side. The, the disciples, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Like that's kind of, they could have been like, dude, that's dumb. <laughs> this is a boat. Fish can swim Shut underneath. Up, we're fishermen. You know, yeah. But they, for some reason, did it. And maybe it was out of spite. Yeah. Like, I'll do it. You look like an idiot. Like like Nathan going, yeah, let's look it up. Is it Mark 2? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but so, yeah, I think there yeah, there are those other examples. But I cut you off, Rob. What were you? No, no, that's all the, the point I was making. Oh, okay. Was, yeah, I think that they had that category but it was the second category that Jesus was doing something they weren't expecting mm. that, that eventually they'll, they'll grab onto. But yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, but I think that w- in, in that whole point of like our faith grows, even as we obey it, it's, we can understand the word and what it's saying, but until we apply it, there's a whole other category of like, can you say you actually know something? Right unless you've actually experienced it. Mm. Like I can know God's love, but until I've experienced God's love, can I say I know it, you know, that I know mm-hmm. the love of God as, as just one example, right? So I think like I, I can talk about, yeah, God has power, but then when I experience his power, now I, now I think I know to a whole other level and degree. And, and you don't know that unless you obey, unless yeah. you actually walk it out. Um, so, I was actually thinking of our kids. So prior to our, like we're raising kids, the three of us at least, who mm-hmm. go to church, we're raising them to understand that God exists, that they're sinners and that they, that Jesus is here to save them. from. Oh, their they sins, know they're sinners. They don't need to be taught that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yes, we're training but, them. But we're like, I mean, do, do our kids believe yet? Mm. I mean, I don't know. But do we require obedience from them already now? Yeah. And I think they'll learn faith, at least parts of faith, through their obedience. Mm. And I think they'll learn the goodness of God, the Mm. blessings of God, uh, just overall like biblical doctrine through obeying what we model to them and what we explain to them and how they walk it out. They'll, They'll learn why church is important. Yeah. And uh, anyway, those kinds of things. So we expect obedience from our kids even prior to belief. And that just being an example of how I think even this is working here among adults and yet like early in their faith, early in their experience with the Lord. um, Obedience is required. Yeah, for sure. Do you think it's almost like um, there's a certain aspect of faith that is obedience, even when you don't understand what it is. Give me an example. So like, um, the fact that you might know that, 
um, somebody make if somebody like hits you in the face and you're really mad and you know it's gonna feel really good to hit them back in the face. <laughs> and that's just what you're feeling. You know it's gonna feel good. But then you're like, but Jesus tells me that I can't act out on my anger. I mm. can't act out on my um, whims and I have to just ease and calm this situation. And that's what he would call me to mm. do. And so like, even though we know it, it would feel great to kind of retaliate and do that mm. back, but the faith in that obedience, like how connected they are, mm. um, just, it, it almost feels like it's just how, how hard it is to divorce the two ideas. Mm. Yeah, that, I think that goes back to the quote from Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is like really helpful, very simple, which was, um, gosh, I guess I should quote it. Huh? Let me pull up your sermon. Do you remember it? It is something like only those who believe obey and only those who obey believe. believe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, he's, yeah, it's just another way of saying the, the same thing. They go together. Yeah. Like, yeah, the subject becomes the object or whatever. Yeah, like true faith is made true through the sign of obedience. Yeah. And, and only like obedience is born, like real true healthy obedience is born out of faith, yeah. out of belief. Well, because in your, in your example that you just gave, right, it would feel really good to punch someone back in the face, right? But we're acknowledging, like, let's say we don't do it. What we realize later on is because we didn't punch that person back in the face and we actually like, resolves the issue and worked it out, mm-hmm. maybe we gained a friend. And it's like, whoa, I didn't expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, oh, that's what I kind of was supposed to do the whole time. Mm-hmm. Not like win the fight, mm-hmm. but win the relationship. And But you don't see that in the moment when you're super ticked. But when you obey, then later on you realize, you know, and I'm just using that as an example too of how that kind of yeah. works. Yeah. Um, how you could realize later on like, oh, when you do things Christ's way, even though like maybe it hurt for a moment, <laughs> but you're going to experience those kinds of things. Like it ended up working out mm-hmm. in, in the long run. Not that it always works out and you become friends with these people, but at least you don't look like somebody who retaliates, mm-hmm. um, but you're somebody who rises above an occasion and, and therefore demonstrates Christ because he himself did the same thing, right? They punched him in the face, yeah. but he didn't, he didn't retaliate. And that was one of the miraculous things that is noteworthy about his whole crucifixion is that he's opened not his mouth. And meanwhile, more people would, that's what they would be doing, defending themselves and their reputation and these kinds of things. Um, But I think it's like, this is giving them a category for later on how it just doesn't, it's not going to make sense how life comes through death. I mean, if he can turn water into wine, certainly he can bring like, like physical, they can see it, touch it, taste it, that, those kinds of things, he'll have the power to bring life from death. If he can recreate or renewal water from Ryan and transform that, he'll have the power to transform a dead body into a, a, a body that's alive. Mm-hmm. And so I think they're giving, he's obviously given them categories for thinking through the ability that he has and ultimately what he's going to do later on. Um, and they're going to need this situation to be able to look back on and be like, dude, he was doing this stuff the whole time. We should have known. Why were we so discouraged? Why do we doubt ever his ability to do these kinds of things? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we're getting a little bit long. Should we, we have one more area to discuss. Do we have time, Cody? Yeah, we always have time. Okay. The last people section, can listen to these at whatever speed they, they want. To, Cody you know? advocates double the for speed, double speed. It sound like chipmunks. So no, anyways. they double speed works pretty good. Get a better podcast app. If it doesn't sound right. <laughs> 
Uh, I actually had one question. Oh, go ahead. Before, like you kind of like bashed on box wine. Yeah. (laughs) Like lots of good vineyards are exploring alternative packaging first for both environmental reasons. reasons What is up with the boxed water now on airplanes? (laughs) It's like in a little milk (laughs) carton Uh, thing. environmentally friendly, okay? Oh my goodness. Plastic (laughs) kills the environment. Did we do a little Jerry Seinfeld last last podcast? No. What's the deal with airplanes? That's true. (laughs) 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 What's the deal with the boxes? Did you want to talk about alcohol? uh, No, I was just, I mean, I was a little offended. I didn't know if there's any like upstart vineyards that are like, oh, this guy's spreading disinformation. uh, There are some pretty like (laughs) vineyards around here. There's like wine is a thing here as it is in California or is that not really an Oregon thing? I think there's wine almost everywhere these days. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry, growing. (laughs) Wine has existed (laughs) as long as humanity has existed. Okay, sorry. That was... Then talking about wine, let's get into the the themes, I think is what you said. Some of the things that we learn about why Jesus Mm. did it, the way he did it in the the context in which he did it, right? Mm. So the four things you said is that Jesus completely restores and you were talking about how he is he's taking the ceremonial washing pots and he's he's using those specifically for a reason to show that he is the fulfillment of yeah, these old testament yeah. rituals yeah i think that's important john specifies that and so there's a reason that he specifies that's what these jars were made for for sure and jesus repurposes them in this miraculous way to show his yeah yeah that he's completely restoring he's bringing renewal yeah. the second thing you said is that he abi- um provides abundantly Right? Yeah, like he, how much wine? Gallons and gallons. One hundred twenty to one hundred eighty gallons. I mean, this is a, a lot, lot of alcohol, and mm-hmm. and and the NIV actually renders it like the ESV says they drank freely. NIV, you know, to, I don't know, maybe it takes a little license. I'm not sure. I'm not a translator, but says that they had drunk too much. <laughs> so basically, the idea is they were already had plenty to drink. I guess yeah. prior to this, right? And Jesus then makes. An abundant uh, amount. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So that, that obviously, he, God provides abundantly. Yeah. Um, uh, was the second thing. The third was that the wine was not cheap wine. It was no. good. It was the yeah. good stuff. It was the best wine that they had at that mm-hmm. point, um, which highlights the goodness of God, you mm-hmm. know, among us, amongst other things. And then lastly, Jesus creates and recreates. So he was the creator we saw in chapter one. And mm-hmm. now he takes water which he already created, and now he's recreating it <laughs> into wine. Making it something better. He's making, yeah. So th- that was kind more of... More enjoyable. I thought that was some helpful More healthy. Things. <laughs> more healthy? <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe it, for them then. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's the same. Remember Timothy? Yeah. He right? drank a little wine for your yeah. tummy. He was like, dude, stop just drinking water. <laughs> You're getting true. sick all the time. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Any other thoughts, like, jumping off these points? Well, maybe let's just make the, the obvious point, th- that where people... Uh, misread that now Jesus is saying if you're a true follower you should probably drink alcohol like there are some people who probably should never drink alcohol he's not saying that's what you need to do in order to like worship him better or Mm. something like that but on the (coughs) sorry on the flip side of that you can't be the stinking prohibitionist and the legalistic person and say that that Try and get around the story and say yeah. that oh, this was not it was non alcoholic fermented wine, yeah. wine. non alcoholic yeah non alcoholic it was just wine. really good grape juice exactly <laughs> like that's not at all what what was going on here either and so 
anyway, I think there's two errors that we can fall into, like an over extending of it and saying like, man, you can't even worship Jesus rightly without using actual alcohol. And you, you know, regularly right. in your life to celebrate his work or whatever. And then there's, you can also say like, you're in sin if you drink anything, you know, right, alcoholic right. or something like that. And I mean, there's just some people who, because of addictive personalities or abuse or personal decision, like probably shouldn't. And this gets into discussions that Paul brings up a lot on Christian liberty and stuff like that yeah. in, in Romans and first Corinthians. Um, but again, you, we can't take it the other way and say that, yeah, you can't do this at all, but you also don't want to get fall into sin and be, create a stumbling block for somebody else yeah. in this. Uh, so anyway, it's just one of those things to navigate um, mm-hmm. well. I do. I really like the, like, uh, as you mentioned, the quality of the wine and also with the replacement of these ritual purification vessels being used for wine, uh, for the wine that Jesus makes. And thinking about that idea, uh, we talked about this a little in our life group that like what God was doing by providing these laws, by providing these cleansing rituals, like that was not a bad thing, like a a terrible thing that like, oh, we're so glad we don't have to do that anymore. Like what God was doing for the first time for these people he chose out of love was a cool thing he was doing. But this new wine, like that should be the worst possible wine, is actually even better than the wine that you brought out before, right? And so like, the the elevating of Jesus as greater than this thing that God did for people that was actually a really loving, caring thing that he provided for them in order to be in relationship with him. And now Jesus is like even better than that. And not like at some point later, you know, you should have just brought out the crappy wine. Like, God, you've already been giving us all this stuff. You could just, you know, you could give us a little something else that's not even that great now. But God provides this brand new thing that is the best possible thing he could have given us. And it's coming this late in human history, you know? Yeah. No, totally. Yeah, that's a good point to make. Did you have more on that, Rob? No, no. I was just highlighting those things. I thought those were all really helpful um, insights. But yeah, I mean, I think that this is one of those stories that you hear preach wrongly a lot. Like, let me let me preach the story. Just to show that Jesus, Jesus likes to party. Dude. He likes to party, <laughs> and so you should party. I mean, I mean, sure, like, but for why? What's the cause? Because the Messiah has come, right? I remember when I was in Bible college, I went to dinner with some people. I wasn't. I was. I'm not opposed to drinking alcohol, but I wasn't 21 at the time. And we sat down. A couple people ordered beers or something. And I remember this kid. He's like, "Oh, dude, I'll pray for our dinner." And he was just like, "God." thank you that Jesus turned water into wine. Like it was like, almost like he was like explaining why it was okay. He just ordered his beer or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it was like, I was just like, what's this dude talking? Like, this is such a like random thing to bust out in a prayer. But that's an example of like, he's trying to justify ever, his yeah, action. If I ever feel bad about alcohol, like I'll just remind everyone Jesus turned water into wine. Yeah. It's all good at that point. And yet at the same <laughs> time, if someone says you shouldn't drink alcohol, then you're like, well, dude, Jesus like turned water into wine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like it's a, uh, you, you don't want to, remove the tension that's in this story and create an imbalance one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and also be completely missing the point, as you were saying. Yeah. Like, if you're preaching it for that perspective, right. you're missing 
the main point of the passage. Well, and the other one that people miss is they preach this text at weddings. <laughs> and I mean, though, yes, I think the fact that he does this at a wedding is significant. It's not like the the main point, right. you know? It certainly wouldn't be my go-to text <laughs> if I was doing a wedding ceremony. Um yeah, I I just would be like, how how are you? What are you getting out of this? Just because right. he does it at a wedding, you think you should do this, preach the story at a wedding? I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, the principle though, or that little you made this comment in the beginning of your sermon that he was at the very least showing his uh you know blessing upon the marriage uh covenant. Yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. I think is true, but it's very indirect. Like that's right. not the main idea. Yeah. Anywho, Boom. yeah, I I think one of the things that like encouraged me in in the passage was just seeing how. Well, I, you know what I thought about was when I was preaching through Exodus, and Moses asks, "Show me your glory," and then God responds and says, "Uh, I can't do that. However, I will pass before you. I will I will show you all my goodness." And I remember just Mm. thinking about that. Like, I'm not, I I can't give you the full experience of my glory, Moses, because you'll die. Mm. But you know what I'm going to do? I want you to experience my goodness. And then the next day he passes by, he sees the wake of his glory and he proclaims his name, you know, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, all this stuff. But all those like attributes are connected to his goodness. Mm. And so what does God want Moses to know that he's good? Mm-hmm. Like that this is this is the experience of my glory that I want you to have. It's that I'm a good God. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that here with when he manifests his glory, Jesus in this story, he wants them to know essentially like it's time to celebrate like the Messiah is here and he is good and his grace is abundant. And so as a first experience, as a, as a memorable impression, gosh, I remember that thing. This is what I remember about Jesus. Um, that was kind of what was sticking in my mind. Yeah. And then thinking about that Isaiah 25 reference, um, that when he comes, it's going to be a great day. And there's going to be aged wine and it's going to be a time of celebration. He's going to swallow up death and victory. I mean, these are just amazing things. Like when the Messiah comes, it's going to be incredible. And And he calls them to celebrate when the Messiah comes. So I, I don't know. I think I was encouraged by that, that uh, oftentimes the first thought that comes into our mind when we think about God, isn't this a C.S. Lewis quote or, uh, no, 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 no. Oh my gosh. Who is it? Oh man. I think it's Tozer. Tozer. The thing that comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's some slightly paraphrased, but it's something like that. But I think that's important. Like, what is the first thought that comes into your mind when you think about God? And is it, is it that he's good? Is it that he cares? Is it that he's there? That he's able, like these kinds of things. Like, and I remember being very impacted by that, that, uh, Exodus passage Mm -hmm. in thinking the thing that God, if God was preaching a sermon about himself, because that's what it says, he proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, blah, blah, blah. If God was preaching a sermon about himself, what what would be his subject matter, his goodness? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like what we're kind of getting here is in this story. Is if there's a memorable thing, I want you to like that first impression that you have, it's going to be this, this great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
Anyway, and that, I mean, I that certainly, by that. certainly reflected more as we continue, you know, biblically, like all the way to Revelation, you yeah. know, like yeah. with feasting and, you know, and so it was like, a, I thought it was a real blessing to sing with the congregation mm-hmm. about this future hope of uh, this feast, you know, that we will all experience and we'll talk about the great things God's yeah. done together and we'll, you know, we'll celebrate hearts restored, no more weeping. Yeah. You know, that I, Are you that saying was, that's what kind of impacted you a little bit? Uh it was uh yeah, it was a it was an impactful moment in our last service, uh-huh. you know. Not uh not necessarily like the biggest thing I got out of the teaching. Basically your week. sermon didn't really matter. He was interested in the songs he was singing. You know what I yeah. liked it was like the singing part. <laughs> the singing. Which the singing part seemed you like that was that? Really <laughs> So yeah, that that makes sense, Cody. I really like that Dude, I part. loved singing that hymn. We will feast in yeah. the in the house of Zion. What an amazing I, I, I yeah, that yeah, was, it was perfect. I was encouraged by that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your sermon, Aaron. So both. It's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So should we keep going? We should do it. Volunteer of the week. All right. Our volunteer of the week is Tina Caparelli. Nice. Tina. Tina shared her testimony at the women's gathering mm-hmm. last Saturday. Yes. And uh, she is a blessing to our church, mm-hmm. uh, to us personally, and to her husband, Vince. And I know now to all of the women who yeah. have heard her story. And so uh, thank you, Tina, for being willing to share uh, your story and be vulnerable with the women there. And uh, we look forward yeah. to see how God's going to use you and your story in the lives of people in our church. Absolutely. So yeah, next time you see Tina, congratulate her on being the volunteer of the week and thank her for being part of our church. Mm-hmm. It's time for Bible trivia right now. What do we got, Rob? Okay, today we are looking at a section called Weddings. Fit, fittingly. <laughs> All right, weddings. What is the first miracle of Jesus? <laughs> no, I, that, that's probably one of the questions. Weddings, dowries, and divorces. Mm. Wah, wah, wah. Well, yeah. um, Divorciado. In this, this, this one, uh, we'll start with a few <laughs> softballs. Who made a wedding feast before giving the wrong bride to Jacob? Laban. Oh, yes. Laban. Speak up, Nathan. Laban. 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 Rob would have called him a retard years ago. (laughs) Oh, he said it. (laughs) Get the. Get the. Where's where's the bleep button? Laban was just. Gosh, what a dicey character. Really, Laban was. He had Jacob as his son-in-law. That's true. He had it coming. Jacob had it coming. That Jacob had it coming. Yeah, I mean. He's known for his deception. He's the right? liar. He's the heel catcher. Come on, dude. Dude, Laban deceived. was being he was deceiving Jacob long before he was like, Hey, why don't you just stick around here for a while? You know? He saw broad shoulders to carry all his load for him, make a bunch of money on this guy, dude. Poor kid. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Anyway. Uh, okay, moving on. What gruesome objects did Saul require from David as dowry for his daughter? <laughs> I know it. it. Nathan <laughs> knows. He knows and I'm he wants to say it. it. But how many of them? Oh, oh, how many? It's how hundreds. many? It's hundreds. No, it was just 100, I thought. Oh, what? Exactly. I thought it was 200. 100? I thought it was 200. I don't think this 200 foreskins. 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 Oh. Philistine oh, oh, oh. ones. Philistine Philistines. ones specifically. Yeah. It does specify. The number? Is a- it? A hundred. One hundred. Yeah. Wow. Nathan, Nathan gets Nathan. it. We, I just went to for Samuel, so. Oh, oh, wow. Nathan there we go. Good, good, good. So how did yeah. the students 
<laughs> take that sermon. It wasn't with the students. We were oh. going through Revelation with the students. <laughs> oh, okay. just a smaller Bible study. Nice. Okay. Well, great. All right. What's that the next foreskin fun. trivia? Or <laughs> what was the category? Again? <laughs> it's not. It's weddings, divorces. Um, who made who made a seven day marriage feast but never married the woman he intended? Wow, that's Whoa. weird. What a weird story. That's a deep cut. Mm. Anybody? I don't know. That one. <laughs> Is that Jacob? Yeah, that's what I would. Hold say. on. No. Seven what? day. And never married. Who made a seven-day marriage feast but never married the woman he intended? This is a deep cut. It is one of the judges. Oh, mm. I have no idea. Was it um, Samson? It was Samson. Okay. Whoa. Nice. I think he wasn't. Yeah. Because he, they took his wife, his presumed wife, and gave it to another person. Uh, oh, so he intended. Yeah, he intended to. Because they wronged him. He ended up bringing them to justice. For yeah, it. there you yeah. go. Well, I think we'll conclude with that. Nathan killed it. The rest of us didn't know that. So. There you go. <laughs> I like to kill it at Bible trivia. You have great addition already, dude. He's Jeez. getting all the trivia. You are truly a kid that grew up in church, spent yes. every waking hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're that kid. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> Knows all the weird Bible stories. <laughs> nice. Oh man. So yeah, we got a uh, a cool exchange here of the uh, you know the ritual rites for the new wine, mm-hmm. and you got a you got another one next week, right? Any any uh, hints at our next week's sermon? What cleansing of the temple? Yeah, and then Jesus Oops. is like, dude, I'm I'm the temple. <laughs> he I does say that. I haven't even thought about it. Today's my anniversary. Today, oh uh, yeah, right. I forgot about that. Happy anniversary, Yeah, thirteen and years today. So yeah, I'm not thinking about the passage next week. Yet. Are you going to? Not until Saturday. <laughs> not until tomorrow. Today, awesome. though. Well, happy anniversary. Thank yeah. you. Our 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 marriage is a teenager now. Mm, so nice. it's gonna get better. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's angsty and rebellious yeah exactly and you'll start acting like teenagers again hopefully (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to the canby christian church podcast for more information about the church and its ministries visit canbychristian.org